Welcome back to System Ministrivia, the podcast where Jathan teaches us how to pronounce new words all the time. This is Brent. I am fucking delighted to be here. And I'm Peyton. <laughs> you took my line. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do it at the debating. <laughs> <laughs> this is the benefit of going before yes, you in the pecking yes, that's order. True. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> fucking so, delighted to squash your dreams, Peyton. <laughs> to understand the context of that you're gonna have to wait until the baddie but no you shouldn't have fucking said that you asshole restart don't say what? that no 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 they're gonna have to just wait they're gonna have to listen to the whole episode and, and just hang in there you need to clam down sir no you what do you mean me no you no, no you. you no fucking okay, all right. you okay alright you need to cool it you need, you need to you clam need down J Tom oh hope they're oh, coming man. for you they're coming Fine. to get you come at me bros <laughs> before All the right. mom. Oh. That didn't make any sense. You suck you at suck this. this. You suck at life. All right, all right, oh. all right. Can we calm no, down? there's no calming down. No. <laughs> Why calm? is there no calming down? It's all right, I promise. <laughs> Anyways, so tonight it's going to be a little... It's going to be one of our more chill, laid-back We're going to have a good episode. Now. It's going to be the best, bro. It's going to be the best. I, I feel like that's maybe hyperbole. But I don't want to hear anything about your purpley, okay? You know what? Let's let's do something. Uh, let's let's do something. Purpley. Let's do what? our happies and crappies. Happies and crappies? Oh, do we? Why do we are have we to doing call it that this? though? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. yeah. What, what is this? Can we just call it like ups and downs? What is, what is this? Happies and crappies? One one happy thing, one crappy thing from the last few days. Just just call it ups and okay. downs. Okay. All right. I'll do my ups and downs. Who's we're, going first? We're all adult. We're adult. Who goes first? Here. Go. Just go. I don't care who goes first. Go. All right, I'm going to go first. Crappy. There was an update to, I want to say it was the pseudo package in CentOS 7 that broke my Augeus lens today. I thought it was Augeus. I don't actually know what Aegis? it is. I don't know how you pronounce Maybe it. Aegis? But in any case, it broke, so I had to... All I had to do was comment out a line in the sudoer file. Is that all? That basically the lens couldn't understand, and it started working. I understand that's not a permanent fix, but it worked at the time. Happy. I am feeling pretty good today. It's raining here, and I really like rainy weather, at least on an infrequent basis, such that I don't become severely depressed. And I've been really enjoying the cooler weather. It's turning to fall. The leaves are changing. I like it. Great. So the bug was with Ogeus, not Sudo, then. Well, it wasn't a bug with Sudo, but it was a change to Sudo that confused Ogeus or Ogeus or Aegis or whatever. So the bug was in Augeus, not pseudo. Then. I don't even think it's a bug. I think it's just, just it's behind the times in terms of the update. But so yes. in other words, you're saying yes. that pseudo has a line in its config that Augeus was not expecting. Correct. Which caused it to operate in a manner the opposite of which you expected. Yes, yes, it did that. So it's a bug. Those things. All right. Did. If it's a bug, then I wouldn't say it's a bug though because. <laughs> It worked fine before. It's not really a bug. It's just different. Well, calm your well, shit no, down. What you is, know what? No, 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 that's what is the definition of a bug? Still a bug. The definition of a what? bug, though. A bug. A bug. It's something that has some fucking legs and crawls <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> no, not quite, sir. Not quite. Oh my gosh. All right, oh moving on. Somebody else moving go. On, somebody else go. Okay, I'll give you my ups and downs. So my ups is that yeah. my anniversary, my one-year anniversary, is Saturday, and right. yeah, man, it's great. You know, the downs is that my three-year-old and my one-year-old have been waking up at five o'clock exactly every morning this past week, and Ugh. yeah, it's rough, dude. I'm not really that happy about it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it though. You know, like it's just been hard, man. Yeah, 
I hear ya. My down is, is a little bit somewhere, actually. My ups? I don't know, I've been kind of crushing it at work. So have I. So have I. I was actually told that I was the czar of what I do at work, and that felt really, really good to be recognized that I was, you know, they trusted me, and, you know, so that's, that felt good. So my other ups. I have two ups. So go me. You got a downs? Yeah, sort of. Like, my down is, I don't know, like, my, my sleep schedule's just been totally off. Well, you know? like, dude, I've been, that happens to you all the time, this, though, in the past. No, 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 but, like, not like this. Like, oh. it's it's been, like, I've only gotten to sleep for, like, an hour. Oh, is that all? Why why are you only getting an hour of sleep? What's going on there, buddy? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I, it's just, like, I'm not, like, I try to sleep, but my body will just, like, wake up. You know, like sure. it just does not want to stay asleep for as long sure, as it should. Absolutely. So I don't know what's going that. on with that. So that's my okay. down. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So anyways, it's going to be a, a short episode. <laughs> oh, not God. short. No, no, Idiot. wait, no. Let me take that back. It's it, it's not going to be a short episode. It's too late. You've already said the magic words that doom us to an hour and a half long episode. Or at least recording a raw of that length. But anyway. I mean, yeah, it's not halfway, so... <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you're tired though. It, it definitely sounds like you, you know, could use a good eight hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. And he did. Peyton did call me. I asked him to, but he did call me to wake me up before the show. So, <laughs> so uh, should we do the? What are you drinking? Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. Do who's it. first? Yeah, let's who's do first? it. Brent goes, Brent goes first. first. Brent goes first. I I am drinking that Bullet Bourbon Ten right. again. Good stuff, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm nearing the end. I'm in the like the last fifth of it. So. Mm, the last fifth. Yeah. Huh? Cool. Well, I am actually drinking Jameson this Jameson. week. Jameson, you know that's something. I, yeah, you I know, don't think I've had actually. Really? So mm-hmm. a lot of people are like all about Jameson for shots, and I I can appreciate that enough. Like it is pretty mm-hmm. smooth actually for what it costs. But if you actually like sit and try to enjoy Jameson without just taking a shot of it, I think it tastes like fucking biscuits, and I love it. <laughs> biscuits. So that's, that's where cool. I'm at. That's cool. Yeah, biscuits. Biscuits. Biscuits and gravy. Well, no, no gravy, just biscuits. Well, I'm drinking the my Glenlivet Founders Reserve. It's actually quite tasty. I spoke to another gentleman on a Discord that I'm on and mentioned it, and he was like, "Oh, I'll have to give it a try." So he was mentioning a lot of other good stuff. So hopefully he likes it. And yeah. So anyway, anything else about the drinking? Uh, I think that's it. Hmm. I also have I also have water that's, too. That's I have water. Yeah. Water is good. Water is life. I wish I had water. You should. You they've should been doing some. some. Well, no, I shouldn't because like they've been doing some work, like the oh. the city waterworks. Y- yeah. You know what I'm really happy about is that I have a well, so I have safe, oh, clean, nice. good water. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing, I, not the one thing, but like one of the things I look forward to with getting out of the city mm-hmm. is don't have to deal with that city water again. Yeah, there's still right. Yeah, I'm not not fond of that. I hear you, man. I hear you. I grew up in Texas, and so we had a lot of very clean water. Like, it was a big deal to have a sign going into your city that said you had you passed the clean water standards. So we had like fluoride and stuff like that in our water, and it was all really good. I mean, I mm. you know I don't think I had a cavity ever growing up that I could think of. You know, so we had good water in Texas, I know, but uh, up here it's it's different. Uh, I have not seen signs like that, so I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So you should drink water from a water bottle that's bottled water that. No, don't kill the environment, you fucks. You can... Hey, they've taken the plastic bottles and they've recycled them and made them into other plastic bottles, so... Some people do that. Some people might say that you're wrong. What? Hmm? What are you saying? Can we... Can we maybe get on with the show? Sure. Sure. Okay. Let's... let's, Before this spirals into madness... Let's edit some of that out. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, you know my policy on this. Typically, I'm I'm more towards I lean more towards keeping stuff in. But I mean, whatever. All right, let's just fucking move on. Let's then. just move on. Who's ready for the news? Okay. Bitches. That's a good. Okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Do the news. Let's go. And this is paid with the news. But up up. Okay, so the first bit of news we have is that the there is an Internet of Things Cybersecurity Improvement Act, and that's going to be of 2017, of course, this, this year. And it is a uh, it is an act in which to well, hold on. I would hope that it would be an act to improve Internet of Things security, such as removing default username and passwords. But we'll see about that. Yeah, I mean, I have you looked at it yet? I'm looking at it. So I mean, I've, I've had that up for I yeah I yeah I know we'll go on to something else come back to it Hi Sierra the new Mac OS has a password problem the it rolled out on uh, Monday and it has plenty of security upgrades including a very invasive ad blocker ad tracking blocker however it has an issue in it can extract plain text passwords from the keychain. So uh, I don't know if you've ever used a, a Mac and used the keychain, but it, you know, it, it tries to hold all your passwords and everything for you. And this is not good. You can you can see plain text passwords from the keychain. That's that's not good. It's supposed to be encrypted. That's I think that's ridiculous. Hasn't there there have been some other issues with Mac with iOS 11 or whatever the new iOS uh, version? Hasn't there as well? I think that's something different. Is it? I. Yeah, I recall hearing something about that, I think, but it wasn't like, yeah, the I, to my knowledge, iOS doesn't use the same sort of like key ring thing, keychain. Right, 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 uh, right. But there's something else about iOS 11 that it does that. I'm not sure what it does exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about that in the news. Yeah. But okay. keep going. All right. So that be careful of that. Look out for that. Don't use a don't use a Mac if you uh, you know don't want to do that. Sonic Wall has a uh, ransom. The Sonic Wall has reported a ransomware that the text reports that you have to send ten nudes, and once they've verified the nudes are yours, they will then unlock your system. It's kind of ridiculous actually, but also very funny. Yeah. So prepare to send nudes, I guess, if you don't have good backups. In our next article, we have an activist who his passwords were demanded from him when he was traveling. He was returning actually to the UK. He was arrested in the airport and they asked for his passwords using the Schedule 7 of the Terrorism Act, which is a sweeping power that British authorities can use at the border to interrogate and search people without requiring any suspicion or wrongdoing. They have no right to remain silent. They can be interrogated for up to six hours. He's been stopped. He's sent under Schedule 7 about 20 times. Usually he was let free. This time they asked for his password or something to that effect and did not let him go at this point. He was asked hmm. to, he was asked who did he meet, where did he go, where did he stay, and how long. He They were asked about his, his electronic devices, which included his MacBook Air, his SIM card, a flash drive, and an iPhone. They asked him to turn over his passwords, and he said no, and they arrested him. So David Miranda, the partner of Intercept co-founding editor Glenn Grinwald, was detained at the same airport and under Schedule 7. So this is a big deal. If you don't want to have to give your passwords to things in the future, maybe you should, you know, just not travel those countries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> I guess that's an option. Sure, sure. absolutely. Why not? <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, the next thing we have is that, of course, you guys have heard about Equifax, right? Right, right, right? Clearly. 
And if you haven't, you should listen to our last episode in which they were prominently featured as the Let bad. me tell you, dude. I I saw this and I just about laughed. So Equifax has mistakenly told their customers that we're worried about its data breach to go to a spoof site. So the site, which was securityequifax2017.com, was created by a software developer to show how easy it would be to spoof the web page that Equifax created to inform consumers about its breach, which affected 143 million people, I might add. The site Equifax mm. set up is EquifaxSecurity2017.com. Now, those of you who are listening, can you tell me the difference? <laughs> and he made the site because Equifax made a huge mistake by using a domain that doesn't have any trust attached to it. And it, which, I mean, of course, you know, anybody can squat on it or whatever, you know, typo squats are huge. I mean, Google without the E.com is, you know, a scam site as well. Mm. Yeah. Try it out. Check it out. I've hit, it, I've hit it a couple times because I missed the E or whatever. It just goes to Google, dude. Whatever, dude. I think you're wrong. <laughs> However, oh the big deal here is that Equifax representative on Twitter were directing consumers to sweeping to this individual sweeting his website instead of the actual website that they suggested, the, the real website. So, yeah. So, don't follow Equifax advice, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I think they've, <laughs> I think we've we've already arrived yeah, at that yeah, yeah, based yeah. on last. Well, this yeah. next bit of news, Brent, will actually help you understand that even more. The Equifax CEO Richard Smith has resigned over backlash or after backlash over the massive data breach. So I saw somewhere that he, when I was googling this, I saw somewhere that he accepted ninety million dollars. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I'll do some more digging and see if I can find an actual article on that. But he talked mm. to NPR on this link and. I mean, he resigned, resigned, and I put that in quotes because, you know, what really, really said was, get the get the fuck out and don't come back, you know. But other executives as yeah, well. Yeah, Equifax is, uh, is publicly traded, right? right? Yeah. So, but other executives yeah, so the board in the industry, I think we reported yeah. that, they also, and the company also resigned as well. So, uh, this is a big deal. Still, we're still reeling from the effects of this, you know, just, you know. So... We've had a great time talking about Equifax. Let's talk about Adobe. Adobe has leaked their private key. <laughs> so this is on Twitter. It was, it's gone now, but you can still see the Twitter post that we have here. Good job, Adobe. I think uh, admins are going to be up for a while fixing that one. I'm not moving forward to talk about that one. CCleaner, who here has run Windows in the past at all and had a virus infection? CCleaner. I didn't have a virus, but I use CCleaner. Okay. So CCleaner is good in a lot of ways. I, I mean, I've used it in the past for cleaning up registries and whatnot. It does a really good job. But they hosted a malware only on 32-bit systems for quite some time. I want to say it was a couple weeks. And they did not clean it up right away. The, I, the version is 5.33, and it made calls to suspicious domains. They uh, were bought out by Avast in July. Well, Avast bought Piriform in July. So I'm not sure if that relates or not. Probably doesn't. Correlation doesn't equal causation. So, And our last bit hmm. of news here is that Google has done fucked up with his Play Store. And their Play Protect, which is a new system used to find the malicious apps in the Google Play Store. The Google's Play Protect didn't catch obfuscated malware with up to 20 million installs in the Play Store. So I have no idea what that's all about. But, I mean, we've talked about people being compromised before by going to, you know, invalid sites or whatever for downloading apps like Candy Crush and what have you. So I'm not surprised necessarily that someone was able to bypass this. So 
And uh, other than that, that's uh, I'm looking forward to this Cybersecurity Improvement Act of 2017 for the Internet of Things. I've always kind of laughed at the Internet of Things movement because it's kind of silly to me, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it I mean, has Bluetooth freaking doorknobs that open when you get close to it. I mean, come on, you know, really? I just, it, you know, no. I, I mean, I I get what you're saying, and it definitely has a valid point to it. Sure, like a lot of it's just superfluous. Like the what was it called? Juicero finally shut its doors. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely taken things too far. For sure. But, like, I think a lot of it is, like, they wouldn't be mocked as hard if they did it right, you know, if they weren't so easily well, exploitable. Well, the problem with that is we have the the chairman for the Internet Committee thinks that the Internet is a series of tubes. And so I just wow. can't take him seriously when the guy who's supposed to be, like, controlling how the Internet works and whatnot doesn't even know how the Internet works. You I know? would no. I would expect that it's like it was a metaphor, but well, like, also you know it was Ted Stevens who's not really in charge. Right, 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 right. Was he? He was the chairman. But though. he is one of my favorite people for his great explanation. He's he's the chairman though. I thought or was the chairman. Maybe at some point, but hopefully we wise. Hopefully, up. hopefully, you know, it doesn't always happen. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe I mean, you're around here, so you know. <laughs> oh, for Pete's sake! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, do you guys? Is that it for the news? That's, that's that... it for the news. That's Do we have anything else? We'll have a link to this lovely article about the IoT Cybersecurity Improvement Act of 2017. And we'll have, we'll have links to everything else. And I'll see if I can mm-hmm. find that 90 million thing that the CEO of Equifax, uh, former CEO of Equifax, received for his uh, departure from the company. And that's paper the news. But up, up, I can do that too. Fair enough. Hmm. Fair enough. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Pay it in. Yes. You were going to talk about glances, right? I was going to talk about glances, absolutely. And I am more than capable of doing so right now. But if you'd like to talk to Jaython first, I can understand that. Go ahead. Do it. I mean, do you really want me to? I mean, you know. No. I think we're we're just going to go. Okay. No. Yeah, sure. We're just going to do this in order here. All right. So you guys have all used glances, right? At least once. Jason, I know yes. for a fact you have, but Brent, I, I'm not sure if you have. But, but only, no. only like locally on my currently running system, not... So so the glances, when you run it, is like a super H-top. It's... Wait, wait, one thing, one thing. Uh, just, I want to prefix this by saying that we talked about glances pretty damn briefly last episode. Right, 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 right. So Payton is doing us all a solid, and he went yep. and he worked on the server client I components and did. is going I to did. talk about it. That's exactly what I did. And so if you didn't listen last episode, that's where I have to at. tell you, it's pretty freaking cool, dude. It really is. So it allows. So first of all, like glances when you run it locally, it shows a lot of information. It shows CPU memory swap. It shows load. It shows uptime. It shows network. It shows network statistics for your Ethernet, for your Wi-Fi. It shows for your virtual systems. It shows the number of tasks. It shows services loaded. It shows disk I/O, file sys, like the full the. It shows everything. So sensors, like I can see, I'm looking right now, and I can see that my core, my core zero is 50 Celsius, and my core one is 48 Celsius. It just dipped at 49, 47. And this is on my X220 that I have here, and it's next to me. So this is really, really, it's really awesome. It's it's H-top on steroids, you know? Like, it's fantastic. Now, that's glances locally. There's also glances remotely. 
So what you can do is there's a web client as well. So when you run glances-w, that goes to what is it? 31608. 61208. Show notes. 61208 is what it is. And so what happens is you go to that website and you get instead of a terminal, you get a website version of what you're looking at in the terminal right now. It's all in cursors. It looks really nice. But once you go to the website, it's the same view. And it looks fantastic. I mean, it's it's great. And you can't run the web client and the server, which is a server is in quotes, by the way, here. You can't run the web client and the server at the same time. But you don't really need to because the web client is technically a server. However, the server isn't really a server and the client isn't really a client. But I'll get into that in a minute. So you can export to a CSV, you can export to InfluxDB, Cassandra, there's uh-huh. other statistic viewing formats you can export it to. There's also a dedicated Grafana dashboard, which is just phenomenal. I mean, this stuff is is amazing. I had no idea that Glances could do all this, and we talked about it, and then I did some more digging, obviously, for last last recording. And I mean, I'm blown away. Like, I don't want to use anything else for remote viewing at this point, you know? It's so good. Now... The server, when you run the server... Remote viewing like a, like a medium? I'm sorry? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Remote viewing like a medium? <laughs> Come on, man. Keep going. Oh, sorry. On. Fucking on. Brent. Goddamn asshole. <laughs> so... Chase out, calm so, down. <laughs> no, I'm not clam. So the server, so, so the server is a... It doesn't view all of the clients. When you run the server, you're actually running... Grafana on a remote machine. And so when you connect to it, you're actually viewing the remote machine. So that's the what the server versus client actually means. It's really neat. You kind of have to like understand where they're coming from with it. Once you do that, you can really figure it out. The browser, there's a, there's a Glances browser, Glances dash dash browser. It doesn't actually browse as far as I've been able to determine. So what you have to do is you have to go into the config file and iterate the systems that you want it to find, so to speak. And once you do that, then you're able to load the glances dash dash browser, and then it gives you a snapshot of what's going on with those systems. So right now I'm looking at the glances browser on my X220, right next to the glances for the local machine. And I can see that it has one of my servers, which is on my R610, that has my desktop actually. And so I can see load, CPU percent, memory percent, status, IP, and even the OS. So I can see what's going on with this, these systems briefly, just really fast, without any kind of, you know, database or website or massive configuration. Now, I don't, obviously, I can't do like email alerting or whatever, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Now, I'm not sure if the host name is reflected via what's in the Etsy host name or if it's provided by you in the config file. I'm pretty sure that it's from the config file. But you can do a really cool thing. You can do a systemd service to start glances-c, which starts the client. And then you can connect to it via the browser at any time after you've set up the browser config. You Obviously, it's just glances if you just want to do locally. You can do glances-s and then glances-c server. So the server IP or host name, it does, it does either. This works. You, only, you can only see one machine at a time, which is kind of a pain in the butt. But once you set up the browser, it actually works really well. You can also, for the web browser version of it, you can set up a user password. So if you don't want to, if you don't want people to see, like the processes that are running on a certain machine, you can restrict that out and give that information only. That's set in the glances config file, and then you can also in the web browser you can set a refresh rate. So you would do HTTP colon slash server colon sixty one two zero eight slash an arbitrary number five ten one hundred twenty whatever. It's in seconds. 
And uh, I, I mean, I was blown away at how mm. extensible this is. You know, seeing that it has a Grafana dashboard, you know, ready to go. That's amazing to me. You know, like that takes all the work out of it right there. You know, like that's just phenomenal. So for remote viewing, I mean, if you, you know, if you need a snapshot of, of your systems or a, or a dedicated system, I mean, it's, you know, it's really, really lightweight. I, I was playing with it with the web browser. And it was still only using, uh, I, I think, were you, were you there with me, Jaython, when I was running it? It was, it was running like 10% CPU, but that's because I had the server going and it was really, you know, once I stopped using this, this, the, the web version of it, it actually eased up quite a bit. Like it was, it's still really lightweight. Like I'm looking right here, I can't even see it in my top ten on on uh, my local machine here. So yeah, I was kind of there. You were talking about it, but I was at yeah, work. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that's fine. So so yeah. check out glances. I mean, you know, if you need remote monitoring of a system that's free and open source, there you go. And that's that's Very glances. Cool. cool. All right, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, Jason. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about Samba? Uh, mentally, I'd say yes. Oh Emotionally, I'm not sure. I'm there. Do you need to keep drinking? <laughs> Jason, you're supposed to be high energy, no, no. buddy. Come on, where's the where's the energy? I'm fucking no, high not. energy. I'm just <laughs> Samba makes me I don't depressed any high immediately. Here. Come on, man, bring it. Well, you can get it out of your system. You can. I, all right, all right. You can get it out of your system, and then I'll do my thing. And while I'm doing my thing, you can ramp back up for the baddie. Do it. How's that sound? It's okay. gonna be great. Do it. Okay, good. So. Recently at my day job, I procured a new storage device. Uh-huh. Yep. It is my first storage device running Linux and ZFS. ZFS on Linux. I am quite skeptical of ZFS on Linux at this point. However, I was willing to give it a chance because my vendor told me it was going to be great. So... I have bashed on Illumos before. I have also complimented it on certain things, I believe. Mm -hmm. One thing that I now realize it does extremely well is integrate with Windows environments. Oh, yeah. So I know in the past I've talked about how I work at the University of Colorado at a very specific place on campus, and I only support this specific place. So we still have an overarching IT organization. I think they know the place that you support. Yeah, yeah, they do. But, okay, all right. But uh, so they, we have this main campus IT organization that is sort of more overarching in terms of reach and ability and what they actually manage than what I do personally. Okay. So one of the things that they handle for us, essentially, is account creation and management. And it's all backed by Microsoft Active Directory. No complaints. I'm just saying that's how it's done. Okay. Mm. On a Lumos, there's a very simple command you run to basically bind to an Active Directory server And then there's this flat file database, if you will. It's really not a database. It's just a flat file. And it keeps ID mappings. So in Linux, we have a username and we have a UID, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have a name server. What is it? NSS, name server service? Is that right? I don't know. I think so. You know what I'm talking about, though. So essentially what it does is it ties a UID to a username. No, the NSS is something switch or switcher. The second okay. S is switch. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. so on a Lumos, what this ID mapping thing does is it takes a Unix GID and it maps it to a Windows or an Active Directory account or RID, which is whatever the hell Windows uses for identifiers, basically. Mm-hmm. So you bind to the ID, you create this file, and you can just add and remove people from this file to basically say, you know, this person might have a different Unix UID and this is their Unix username, but just associate them with this Windows person. 
And then what that allows you to do is use the Active Directory tools to maintain users and groups hmm. without having to actually manage all the groups on the system. So if someone has a user account on the Illumos-based system and their group exists on the system, the groups, it's the same thing. The groups are tied to Active Directory groups. It basically, you know, I can take an Active Directory group, I can add people to it, and the Illumos-based system just automatically is like, oh, well, they're not on the group locally on this system, but since it's tied to the Active Directory in that way, since they're in that Active Directory group that's tied to the Unix group, it treats them as if they're in that group. Mm -hmm. So does that make sense yeah. so far? So far. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a little hard to grapple with if you don't really know what I'm talking about. Nobody ever knows what I'm talking about, so there's that. <laughs> yep. This is the depression setting in. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. So here's the thing. When I was choosing to basically start working with ZFS on Linux, I was like, this is going to be great. I understand the Linux networking stack so much better. And there's much newer versions of tools to do, you know, encrypted SIFs and all that kind of stuff and whatever. Here's the thing. There is not really a good Linux equivalent to what Illumos-based systems do with ID mapping to integrate with Active Directory. Mm. So essentially the behavior I was looking for is in order for a user to be able to log into my storage system, mm -hmm. They have to have a local Unix user. In order for them to have access to a specific group share, they must be in that Active Directory group. So first prerequisite for logging in must have local Unix user tied to Active Directory user. Second step for actually being allowed to access a certain share is must be an Active Directory group that represents, you know, whatever they're supposed to access, right? It seems really fucking simple. Mm -hmm. And in the past, working with these Illumos-based systems, I kind of took it for granted. Like, the systems are ancient feeling and sort of archaic, and they have weird tools that I don't fucking understand. But at the end of the day, they apparently do this really well. And getting that same behavior to work on Linux was damn near impossible. So the first thing I did was played with this thing called WinBind, which is basically how you bind to an active directory. Right. But the problem with it was there's no way to basically say... There probably is through the use of PAM, but immediately it was not apparent how I say that a user must have a local Unix user, but then use WinBind basically to check their password and verify that they're in a certain group. It was damn near impossible. I mean, I spent a lot of time on this with a coworker. So, you know, the other thing is Samba, there's this custom version of Samba server basically, or SIF server built into Illumos-based systems. It's actually mostly a complete rewrite to my understanding. So it was not just that I had to get this behavior working for something like SSH, which is something I understand quite well, but I had to get it working for Samba 4 on CentOS 7. Mm -hmm. So basically, by the way, I'm going to document all this, and I think it's actually going to be public. So if it ends up being public when it gets published, I'll make sure that we add it to the notes for this episode, because okay. God forbid, if it helps another person... <laughs> That'd be really cool, man. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, it'd be fantastic for that person because I just did your job for you. So you're welcome. You're welcome. But, there you but go. here's what I had to end up doing. So I had to essentially tell Samba about the Active Directory. I had to join the Active Directory through the use of Kerberos. And here's what happens. This is completely, absolutely fucking batshit, wonky, crazy, stupid. When a user tries to authenticate with Samba... That authentication is basically passed to the Active Directory through the use of Kerberos and Winbind, hmm. some combination of them that I still don't really understand, admittedly. The next thing that happens is because my NSSwitch is configured, my nsswitch.conf is configured to check the LDAP, which is, so basically Active Directory includes several methods for authenticating against it and interacting with it. 
One is Kerberos. Two is LDAP. Three is... I don't even know. Maybe there's not a three. Maybe. So then a user is basically made sure to exist in a certain group through NS switch by way of LDAP. So the thing that's stupid about it, in my opinion, is, you know, you can interact with Active Directory in several ways, right? Like you can authenticate and do authorization through the use of Kerberos. You can do it through the use of LDAP. My solution basically had to combine all of the methods. Mm -hmm. So WinBind is used to verify that a user actually exists. Kerberos, I believe, is what's being used at this point. I'd have to double-check my configs even because it's seriously like the stupidest fucking thing I've ever engineered in my life. <laughs> is used for basically creating a ticket and making sure that their password is correct. And then LDAP is being used to make sure that they're in the appropriate group that they need to be in to access whatever resource they're trying to access by way of SMB. So I actually had to configure Kerberos. I had to configure WinBind. I had to configure Samba. And I had to configure NS Switch to utilize LDAP just to get this one fucking thing working. Like none of these users have to SSH in. They don't have to use any other service except Samba, sort of. I mean, the other thing that they can use from the cluster at this point is NFS mounts, but that's a whole separate ball game and it's actually way easier. So that's great. What kind of ball game? Shut up. <laughs> so, so all that to say, I spent literally like two weeks working on this and cursing fucking Samba devs left and right. And I think oh, that Brent and that. Payton could probably testify to yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I finally got it, it was like fucking magic. And I still, I, honest to God, like you hear me talking about this and not knowing what the fuck I'm talking about. It's because I've changed the configuration so many times that I don't actually remember the final configuration. I haven't looked at it in like three days because I was just so happy it was working <laughs> wow. at the end of last week. <laughs> Are you serious? So, yeah, tomorrow I actually have to go back and verify that it's still working, which if it's not, I'm going to flip every fucking table I see. Uh, Could you imagine if someone reverted one of your configs? I would revert them. <laughs> I would revert them to pre-birth. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah, no, I haven't even touched it with, like, puppet or config management for fear that someone will fuck something up before I understand. Mm. So, yeah, I am going to document this, and it'll make more sense when you look at what's actually going on, and I explain it in writing, and you should go back and look at it when it's published, and that's going to be great. And thank you for letting me have this time to vent. It was a Deloitte. Deloitte? It was a Deloitte. Oh, my God. Simply delightful. Delightful. Is this, is this going to become a thing now? It might. Are we making this Why a not? thing? Okay. At least today. Why not? Why not? That's great. I love it. Uh, I, I, I'm going to get tired of it real quick. I mean, you All know. All right. So okay. for, for my, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're moving on. For my little mini segment here, recently at work we had, so I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Mozilla is like completely redoing how plugins are done for firefox 57 and it's like a pretty drastic change there's a new system called like web extensions and they now for starting with firefox 57 will require all plugins to conform to this method mostly just so they can like guarantee that multi-process and you know like multi-threading and stuff work sure. well within the browser so like ultimately like yeah i get why why they're doing it but the problem is like web extensions kind of sucks you can't really do as much with it. It's still like not all the same or similar functionality is duplicated from the old plugin system. So it's still like an active work in progress. Why they're requiring the use of it before it's been finished, you know, I who knows why, but Mozilla is doing a lot of weird things these days that don't make sense to me. So anyways, that being said, all the plugin developers, if they want to be compatible with Firefox 57, have to conform to this new 
plugin system. So for work, we have a Firefox plugin, like a, yeah, a public got it. one. That's awesome. And my boss, you know, he rewrote it to conform with this new system. People were not happy because what they didn't understand is that a lot of the functionality is mi- is going to be missing because there's no way to currently support it because the plugin system is different and it has much less features and things like that. But another part is it wasn't importing the old config. And the old config, it was basically just an XML file stored on disk. And the new config used is like a sort of like embedded JSON string, which is what all plugins basically have to use now. Anyways, so we had to come up with a way to convert the old configuration to the new. So I, I wrote up a Python script to do that. And then I, you know, we were now serving it via Flask and UWSVI. Fine. You know, that's great. There's a way forward for people to convert their configs to. But then I thought, would I personally want to enter in data from a plugin that has credentials in it? You know, specifically, it's for proxy configuration. Mm-hmm. Would I want to enter in data that has credentials into it into some weird website? No, I wouldn't. So I was like, hey, you know, we, we should probably open source this so people can run it locally and change it to handle handle the data however they want. It's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. It's not the, you know, we open source the plugin too. So it's not mm-hmm. that unusual for us. But that got me thinking after I pushed that public, like how how do we manage open sourcing within companies? I mean, I know how my company does it, but like what would be some of the major pitfalls to companies? Like why are they so hesitant to do this? And this is more open-ended, by the way, so feel free, feel free to like chime in if you guys have any like... Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't, I don't really know why what's holding the back other than this sort of outdated idea that like proprietary code means money. I think that's really... Well, there's two sides of that one. One is you're paying someone to write mm. the code, right? Yeah. So why should you share what you paid someone sure. to write? Which I personally don't really see the argument there because obviously if you can use it and somebody else can use it, similarly, like you could use someone else's code if they open sourced it. So at some point, you know, you might come out ahead on that. Maybe. The other side though is if at some point what you're working on becomes a marketable product, but... You know, it's hard to predict that. And for certain one-off tools like what you're describing, I don't really understand Mm. how that would ever lead to a profit thing. Right. Sure. So, you know, I think it depends on the situation, but I think a lot of people really are stuck in that mindset because this is corporate America and we're greedy fuck. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's a simple enough explanation. No, and and like, I, I understand why they have that idea about it, but like, you need to, like... Look at it from a different perspective, you know, mm-hmm. to those who, who do view proprietary licensing as a, a necessity. The software needs to get written whether you release it to the public or not. And the the code, I mean, the source. And the sort of the crux of it is your developer is going to get paid no matter what, because ultimately they're doing the work no matter what. But open source, like if you... If you follow a more open development model, if you allow for contributions, that's free work for you, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it's the same thing, right? Like, somebody else is not going to have to put out that money to benefit. Well, why? Well, no. I mean, you can you can charge for money for open source software. You just have to provide the source on demand if they ask for it. Yeah, but most people aren't buying it. How do you know? I don't know. When's the last time you purchased open source software, Brent? 
when I got a Linksys. What'd you buy? Mm, I don't know. One of the cheapo router models for testing. Oh, but the router itself isn't open source. No, but the firmware is. Even the Linksys firmware? Yep. Hmm. There have been multiple lawsuits about that that you can readily look up if you don't believe me. I try not to look things up. <laughs> I, I've <laughs> noticed. Yeah, no, the Linksys <laughs> firmware is open source, at least a, a very long-running iteration of it. And they got in trouble because they weren't releasing the sources properly when asked. But they definitely don't make the sources available on the, like readily without asking. And people, they got in trouble because people were asking for the source and they weren't delivering the most up-to-date source or the complete source. But yeah, no, the, the Linksys firmware was open source. I mean, that's why we're able to have things like DDWRT and OpenWRT and Tomato firmware and stuff like that. It's because there was an iteration that was open sourced and people got their hands on those sources. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's a lot more common than you think. A lot of smart TVs use open source software. I, I think the most famous case, and Linus Torvalds had has had a lot to say about it, was the uh, TiVo, I think, had open source firmware for a bit, and he right, yeah. really laid into him. I think it was TiVo. He really laid into him for not following the GPL properly. That sounds like a Linus thing to do. Well, yeah, but, like, he had a valid point. So, yeah, a lot of stuff does actually use open source firmware that is, that y you don't have, like, that it's, like, not on GitHub, you know, that you explicitly mm -hmm. will have to right in and that's what the gpl was originally designed to do that's what the gnu organization was designed to provide for it was a way to like sell software but still let people be able to modify it right that's the spirit of open source it's not to release stuff like free of cost because i mean that's shovelware had the same like idea you know mm -hmm. it, it's to make the source available to people so they can use it how they see fit, so they can modify it how they see fit, to, so they can examine the sources of it, so they can see what's going on under the hood and, you know, to sort of vouch for the security of it and all these other benefits. Like, it's not a matter of not being able to make money with open source, because people do it all the time. And not just with consulting, with actual viable like product right. software right. it's a lot of it's just this sort of misguided idea as to what it is and i think part of that is because a lot of the companies who do implement open source do it terribly so it's got this sort of like blemish on its name or something with the majority of corporate software hmm. that's my theory yeah i wouldn't know because everything i do is basically open source <laughs> well right you're also in academia which is a little bit different yes yeah, so I mean, that's my going theory on why we're in that position, because, you know, basically companies don't follow the GPL like they should, and then they get slapped with a lawsuit, as they should, but all other businesses see is that lawsuit. They don't see the actual infraction being done. Sure. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I feel like that's a whole other discussion we can have. But in terms of actually open sourcing company code, I think I can provide some basic tips and pointers to it. I would definitely make sure that any proprietary data, like data about your infrastructure or data about customers and things like that, is stripped away from the products. Like that's not stuff you don't, and that's not stuff you should not release. You know, you don't want to release it. You shouldn't release it. it. Just keep it out of the code. Really, I mean, that should all be like runtime deterministic via database or something. It, it should not be in your code at all. Yeah. I would definitely make it easy for others to contribute or at least provide a path for them to, I think people are more likely to use open source software that they can be a part of rather than just stuff that's like one way released, you know? Right. I think those are the two main keys, I would say. 
I can't think of anything else that would like, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you guys have any other input on that? No. I think uh, more I people really should use open source. That. Just like, That's what I think. Yeah? I wish more people would use open source. I agree with that. I mean, you know, it's a really nifty thing to be. You, There's just no good reason not to. Good stuff out there. Like, yeah. the only thing that sucks is like, you look now, you look at the Equifax breach and it's like, are people shaming Apache because it had a bug that Equifax didn't patch? I don't think you should shame. No, I agree yeah, you I, shouldn't, but yeah. are people. They, the they, I don't know, man. Equifax certainly is trying to. <laughs> yeah, know? but they're uh, fucking yeah. like they're, idiots, they're obviously. <laughs> They're so dumb, man. Right, they really are. right. Like, what the hell? And, Equ- and Apache, even the Ap- Apache Stress Project specifically, came out and be like, look, we released a patch on the very same day the vulnerability was publicly announced. This Which is, is fantastic. You would and never I, get I that with, with proprietary software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Like, you would, you're lucky if they release a vulnerability at all. Usually it has to, mm-hmm. it just is something that never gets patched and announced or, you know, so like there are definitely inherent benefits to using open source software, but I don't know. Like, I guess one thing we can walk away with is don't be Equifax. Well, <laughs> that many should senses. be a fucking given at this point. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean we talked talking about the last I one. don't know. You know, things not to do when you're having a breach and Equifax has done all of them mm-hmm. and more like and more you know like the freaking executives selling off shares right before the breach was revealed yeah, like i really feel like else. that was insider trading you know well i think they will face mm-hmm. some repercussions for that so they better they better that's all i, know, well, I hope better. so all right anything else to say about this or yeah. can we move on i got nothing oh i think we're ready for the baddie i think we're ready for the baddie too all right all right so I do think what it's going to be a short episode, though. What? It's not going to be short. I do think it's going to be a short episode. We're at an hour already. Look at the look at the time on the raw. It, we're under we're under an hour, and we're at the baddie already. No, we're at an hour. It's going to be even less. No. All I right. Well, let's keep talking about talking about the baddie then. Five seconds. So whatever. Let's just go. Let's just go. Whatever. There is one of the <sighs> world's largest four accountancy firms called. Deloitte. How fucking delightful is that? Delightful. Delightful. That's delightful. So, we have learned, source to be in show notes, that Deloitte has been targeted by a sophisticated hack that compromised the confidential emails and plans of some of its blue-chip clients. So, Deloitte is registered in London, has a global headquarters in New York, and was the victim of a cybersecurity attack that went unnoticed for several months. <laughs> Basically, Deloitte provides uh, auditing, tax consultancy, and high-end cybersecurity advice. Wow. Well, that's probably bad. Wow. To some of the world's biggest banks, multinational companies, media enterprises, pharmaceutical firms, and government agencies. That's also terrifying. So basically, the leaked information crossed all of these sectors, so government, private enterprise, whatever... And it was all things contained in the company's email infrastructure, email system. So six clients so far have been told that their information was definitively impacted. There's still an internal review going into the incident, but it's believed that the hack was discovered in March. Yeah. But the hackers may have had access until October or November. That's six fucking months. That's more than six months. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's a long time. And so basically the hacker compromised their email server through an administrator's account. And there was only a single password needed for that. There was no two-factor auth or anything like that. Are you kidding me? No. And they're 
their emails are actually all stored seemingly in Azure cloud service <laughs> stuff. What? So the yeah. last thing here is, in addition to emails, the Guardian understands... Yeah. The Guardian, that's the source I'm reading, understands hackers have potential access to usernames, passwords, IP addresses, architectural diagrams for businesses, and health information. <laughs> wow. That's really fucked. <laughs> also, some emails had attachments with sensitive security and design details. It was a U.S.-focused attack, it's believed, and you can read the source. It's a fairly long wow. article. All in all, though... Wow. Yeah, also, this is a security firm. Yeah, that's wow. the thing that's I think really makes this bad. Is that they're apparently providing cybersecurity advice to others. However, they wow. keep their email in the cloud, which is okay. Supposing sure. you take appropriate measures. Yeah, measures you, you to, to protect your data. Their internal emails. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing: an administrator should have fucking two-factor auth at the very least for securing their account. That would give someone access to the entire fucking email server. So, Deloitte, this is a delightful yeah. baddie for you. You suck, we hate you. <laughs> you lie. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's... Fucking Deloitte asshole. Look at that, Jathan. Still under an hour. It doesn't matter, because now I'm mad. <laughs> I'm right there with him. Why are you mad? Because right this is bullshit him. that this is still fucking happening to people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I agree, but... It's not happening to people. It's like, they kind of have it coming at this point. Like, how the fuck do you fucking trust anyone with your information if this is going to keep fucking happening? Jesus. Get aggressive about it. It's bullshit. Like, I just... So much. I don't want to leave my house anymore because somebody's going to ask for my fucking (laughs) credit card or driver's license or something, and they're going to be fucking dumb about it, and they're going to hack my... leak my shit to hackers. What? What? Fucking bullshit. Well, to be fair, so you don't really bullshit. need to. You it's don't need like to. Fucking no, no, bullshit. no, 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 no. I'm you still don't, going. You don't need to even leave your house for that. No, right? You're, you can do you it. That's the problem. We should just get rid of the even internet. Need to leave your house. Let's get rid of the internet. We should just have. A, no. We should just have. A, That's not going to help anything. A, a giant firewall that protects our citizens from, you know, things like this. Duh. Uh, no. <laughs> Whatever. This gets because me fucking heated. This is bullshit. Inspection on everything. I hope Deloitte goes under. <laughs> Chathon. I mean, they, they oh kind of gosh. Yeah, a little bit. That's some people's livelihoods. Yeah. Big you, fucking deal. Then they should work for probably, someone who doesn't do shitty things. Why are you so mean to them, Chathon? What if it's someone totally unrelated what if your mom worked to the, the breach? What if Okay. It, let me ask you this. What if, like... No, no, no. Fuck you. Think I mean, of the poor no, janitor who cleans the offices... Yeah. They has like five kids to support. They don't yeah. actually work for Deloitte. They work for a company that Deloitte hires to clean the bathroom. Oh, wow. You don't know that. Wow. I have a good idea. Now shut up and listen to me. You don't have... Here's the thing. Wow. <laughs> all right. Wow, Had I gone to work at Apple and all this Apple shit was happening with, you know, their key, their password, whatever, keychain manager bullshit, yep. and the iPhone, you guys would still give me shit even though I had nothing to do with it. Uh, no. Yes. You lie. I think that has more to do with us giving shit. No, I think that has more with us giving shit to Apple no matter what, because they're big enough to where they definitely should know Right, right, right. Right, right, right. Right. I don't think you have to worry about it. I don't know if we'd be giving you shit. It might be awkward. I mean, a little bit of shit. We'd give them a little bit. Just a little bit. No, you would. You would. I would give Apple shit. I know I mean, Jathan. Like I would know that like Jathan isn't responsible for the shit. And right. no, he no, he would have been in a totally different team. He wouldn't have had any responsibility over the internal OS design. Says who? Yes. Yeah. Says who? Says the 
people who were trying to hire him. Yeah, all right, there's that. He was part of the... You, yeah, you were part of the, the search site reliability team. Site reliability. That has nothing to do... Site. Yeah, that has nothing to do... Well... What? What, what are you having so much problem understanding about? I don't about know. Peyton's, <laughs> like, doing <laughs> drugs or something. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not yeah, I'm he's not he's off of his his corner I'm doing. Not, there's no drugs. He's here. doing something. There's no drugs yeah, God knows. There's no, Peyton, there's shut no. up. Let All right, Brent, my, talk. It's Brent's my turn. My point is. It's his point. His point is. My my point is. His point is. The <laughs> Chathan, calm down. Oh my god. <laughs> my point is his point that, is. like the the search <laughs> site reliability <laughs> team has nothing to do. With the people who write and maintain the code for the key ring. But you would chain. give me so much shit anyway. No. Would we? No, I would give you shit because you worked for Apple, period. Would, not because of a breach. I mean, I think we would. Apple yeah. themselves is a terrible sure. company. All right, but... well, whatever. That's neither here nor there. No, Deloitte, you, you suck ass. Let's just fucking close out because now I'm pissed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Someone's a weaver grumpy. This has been Piss Administrivia. I'm Brent. I'm pissed. And I'm pissed. See you around. <laughs>